I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay, cool. Recording going. What's up, everyone? Thank you for coming and joining us on another episode of Storytime. Um, we are here today with Anna Lily. How do you pronounce your surname? Amipur. Am I saying? That's good. Yeah, Amirpur. Yeah. Amirpur. Thank you for joining Amirpur. today. Um, do you go by Anna or by Lily? Which do you prefer? Um, my friends call me Lily, so call me Lily. Lily. Dope. So we're here today with Lily. She's a director, a writer, and an editor. I literally wrote an entire page of like nice. just acclaims to your name. Um, oh, no. Winner of a breakthrough, um, biggest breakthrough director, Gotham Award, which is huge. Your next film coming out is Mona Lisa and the Blood Moon. You directed The Bad Batch, as well as A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, which was highly 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 praised by many many different people i can't remember who the person's name one name was but someone like mentioned and this is what clicked for me in my head that you're basically the future of film and directing and what you are creating is fundamental towards what film needs to be pushed towards um not being like generic just pretty pictures on the screen um which we'll obviously get further into as well but a girl walks home alone and i watched a bunch of scenes of it now because we can't get it in south africa and my favorite yeah i I know i know um so i literally like watch interviews and then i can send you a link to watch the whole movie please send it to me yes yes i can send you because i i literally spent the afternoon watching interviews and then as you'd mention a scene, I'd go and like YouTube the scene and like start piecing the oh. movie together like a puzzle. Um, and That's my crazy. favorite scene, you mention an interview, the, the, is it like a shawl that she wears? Um, yeah. And she's on a skateboard and she's skating down a street with all the lights lit along the street. It's the coolest yeah. shot. That like That's duality actually- of like her on a board like in a black and white like it's just such a mixture of old and new and feminine and masculine all in the same shot it was just such a dope thing to watch it was so modern but so old school as well like just someone skating down a street at night was so dope that was actually that was actually me on the skateboard she could skate so i was that you on the skateboard i was the stunt double yeah that's so dope Yep, fun fun fact. Fun fact, <laughs> fun fact of the day. Directed, wrote, yeah. and spent all. That's hectic. Yeah, it worked. Luckily, we that's so good. But I want to I want to get into what we were actually talking about prior. We were saying how being a bigger guy and then auditioning for things, how tricky that gets, and how perfect it would have been to do push-ups for for the Bad Batch. That would have been such a such a dope <laughs> thing to do. But yeah, you. <laughs> there's there's. <laughs> looking into the film industry and what you do and how long you've been in it for creating projects like the ones that you've released now that are so highly acclaimed surely it starts putting like some form of element into your life and this is just me speaking personally because it would for me with my anxiety of like you want to drive projects in the direction of i just want to make what i want to make you know Mm -hmm. like i have this idea or i have the script and i've seen you've mentioned before that you've written 12 so you obviously have a ton of different ideas. Much more than that now. That was before I made my first film. So that's... Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So now you're sitting at like countless more. So you obviously have all these different, like really, really creative, out the box, 
mixed ideas going on, which is what makes your project so special. Are you pushed and forced in any way now by industry to start like doing it a certain way? Um, well, that's a big question. It's a complicated question to answer. I would say like with all the, for me, with the, the three films, I've done a, a bunch of TV projects where I go and I've done a pilot and I've done some other one-off where I go and do an episode for a show also in between doing the movies. But I'm very picky about those shows and I tend to go towards the shows that are weirder and psychedelic like Legion and- Ah, oh, I saw that, John, Legion's incredible. John, yeah, so, or like, you know, the, I just did an, an hour, an anthology I, uh, that Guillermo del Toro is doing for Netflix and it's eight one hour standalone movies and they're wow. not connected. And, and so I did one of those, it really felt like a movie. I'm really excited about that. That'll be coming out in the fall too. But like, I guess the answer is like, <clears throat> I'm not really someone for better or worse. I do think I'm pretty extreme in a certain, mm in a certain way with my aesthetics or my the way I tell stories or the way I feel uh, characters and the cinema that I make is pretty I don't want to say specific it's 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 a constantly expanding changing thing right like mm. <clears throat> I I feel like my my own inspirations and influences would be somewhere like between Robert Zemeckis and David Lynch or something like that. Like mm. the absolute weird kind of cosmic landscape of the internal, you know, of the internal dreamlike subconscious like David Lynch. And then also this joyful, playful adventure fantasy with a hero that you can root for and mm. and and like an underdog who is an outcast who is somehow going to conquer the challenges which is very much like that popcorn movie from the 90s yeah. of America that I grew up on which I love so somewhere I feel like the two things kind of fuse in my work and I I don't know it's like it's just a hard question to answer. Mona Lisa is very distinct and specific, but I bet people that watch it, some are probably gonna say, I don't know, like what? I don't know how to answer that question entirely. Like would I, is the question like, would I do a Marvel movie? Or, or is the question like, you know what I please, mean? Please, like, please do a Marvel movie, just saying. But <laughs> but also, also like, so my, no. my understanding, so I find, people like yourself really interesting because it's one thing to be an out-the-box creative thinker and it's another to drive a career to such a point that you acclaimed and that you working multiple different projects and there's there's a lot of people in either dynamic that usually don't get both so there's there's a lot of people creating projects that don't have that same wow factor like your projects do i mean there are there are some but there's not tons which is why we admire i'm glad, so I'm glad you feel that way but i really do think your perspective it's nice for me to hear because it helps me i I think any filmmaker that's, go, that's going 
the uncharted path into some weird, perhaps not mainstream like uh, way of doing things is is kind of walking alone in the desert in, to some degree, mm-hmm. carrying their their idea. And like, it's nice to hear someone say what you're saying because from from my stand vantage point, you do feel like, oh, is it reaching enough people? You don't yeah. know. I mean, yeah. cinema cinema is for an audience. Like at the end of the day, you can get as weird as you want to get, but you do do this because you want to sort of connect to, I guess that's the thing for me. I can't really make things where I don't understand why I'm making it or what it is deeply. And I only understand certain shit. Any given person only understands certain things. So if you start faking it about why you're doing something, I think it's also true of anything in life. It's like, I don't want to fake my enthusiasm. I really can't. Some people can. I actually physically cannot. Like if I don't understand something, I won't be able to speak to an actor, a producer, like a camera, whoever, cinematographer, whoever's working with me. I'm not going to be able to tell them what to do because I don't get what I'm, why I'm even doing it. That feeling of feeling lost creatively is, is, is hell to me. Like I, I, so as long as I know, why I'm doing it that means that um my first audience is myself and I'm Mm, getting mm. getting myself off and then I just have to hope and believe that there's other people like me that that will get off too at the end because I've come from a place where these things live forever so it's like yeah I just want to believe in what I made even if you know 20 years down the line it'd be like each one of these things is an experience I created that will live forever for people to go into yeah because it's 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 quite a lonely like you were saying like walking through the desert by yourself and it's yeah like it's like arlen exactly <laughs> exactly exactly yeah it's it's yes. it's quite a lonely daunting feeling but being being creative is such a to me personally maybe you see it the same it's such an emotional cathartic process for me so like you know what i what i admire in creative people is that they can have a thought that they can then bring reference to and then create a picture out of it which is incredibly difficult from writing to directing to post and then final project there's so many people involved that this thing shift shift shape shifts my word that's a word it shape shifts so many times throughout the process while still maintaining that core belief like you said of oh this is how i saw it this is what i want to make sure and it's 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 quite a diffy difficult road to navigate so like from actors perspective and i mean i'm obviously still learning and i'm learning from the actors around me which is such a blessing and what you what you kind of pick up on is there's all the pre-work to do and then step on set and kind of take on this project but so much of it is actually not in my control, which as a creative must be so frightening because I'm stepping yeah. in, trusting the other 10 people in the room to say, okay, yeah. Josh, jump and how high, and hopefully I'm good at jumping and I can reach the height they need, you know? Yeah. Um, when, when looking into films, how do you choose that group of people to navigate yeah. this kind of road with? It's the same thing. I, I have a, if we're talking about actors in particular, which, you know, I have, I love actors and I just think, 
I think there's something so um, brave and vulnerable about what actors have to do in these, it's a, such an artificial, stressful, hectic, nobody really, if you just don't know anything about how movies are made, you don't really understand mm. how completely fragmented and weird it is from everything's out of order and it's hectic and, you know, like for actors to come in there and focus in on whatever the moment is and bring their essence to it. It's, it's like, uh, I just love actors and I love, I love what you guys do and girls. It's, it's so special. And like, as I've actually made films more and more and more, I also love the form and the, mm. I love the camera. I love the lenses. I love the art direction. So I love everything. But as I've gotten more and more, because I do think I'm a surrealist. And so to mm. some degree, those things are really important to me as far as the visuals, but like, as I've gotten more and more work behind me, I'm more and more focused on the actors as I go each I time I find I find myself more letting go of maybe something I had planned for a shot visually because what the person in the room in the moment is doing is is telling me I should do it in a simpler way and just let them do what they're doing so yeah. I think you you learn and go go farther so as far as choosing the actors I mean the first film I made I wrote the script for those actors. So like oh, it was cool. my first, yeah, it was my first film and I had the idea and I knew all these great Iranian actors and, and, and I contacted Sheila and Arash, the two leads first. He lived in Germany and she lived in Los Angeles. I asked them and then I wrote the script and it was like, I had the idea for who would play each of those characters and so they were all on board. And so that was a really great experience. And I think probably in some ways an ideal way to do it because you're not yeah. guessing what it's, you know, the person, you know how they they are. Yeah. So you're kind of writing to them. And so it's really, the second film, The Bad Batch, it was like, Momo was, when I first thought of the idea, I think, Jason Momoa was the first, because Miami Man was kind of in, integral in a way, uh -huh. like there's a lot of big muscular kind of, you know, that kind of action muscle man actor, leading man. Yeah. But, but it, was, it was him who I was, I had seen him in Game of Thrones and it was that, that was who was Miami Man as I was writing. So like, even when I told my producers, Annapurna, I was like, it has to be Jason. And they said, what if he says no? And I said, then I won't make the movie because <laughs> really? I, can't, I, can't, I can't picture who it would be. It has to be like a, I wanted like a bodybuilder version of Marlon Brando or something, you know what I mean? Uh, like a, so actually I told Jason, it was a bodybuilder version of James Dean. <laughs> he was like, James Dean is a pussy. It should be a bodybuilder <laughs> version of Marlon Brando. <laughs> and, then what a legend. and then he made me watch, cause I hadn't actually seen a lot of Brando's stuff. And so he, he made me watch, I mean, I seen the Godfather and stuff, but he made me yeah. watch street, a streetcar named Desire and the, vis uh, the vicious kind. 
Have you seen the vicious kind? I've seen a street corner design. I haven't seen the vicious kind. Which the I'll vicious kind was of. really, really cool. And I saw a connection to David Lynch when oh, I saw dark. the vicious kind, who I'm a huge fan of. And so like, I was like, oh, I bet David Lynch got that from the vicious kind, uh, the, the snakeskin jacket in Wild at Heart. Sick. So anyway, um, that was a sidebar. What was it? Oh, so Jason was, and so I went to him and he was in um, right away. So that was good. And it's mm. just like that connection with him. Like when I met Jason, I kind of felt like it's the same thing about not faking it. I just think like when I won't put up with, I, I compare it to like a romantic chemistry, like with someone, mm. if you're dating or something, it's like you could fake it and have an exhausting time trying to get through like an interaction yeah. because, or you can just be completely at ease and have a cool chemistry with the person. So with Jason, I just felt like he was like, honestly, I felt like it was me in a suit. Like if you unzip Jason, I would come out. Like he's like this goofy kind, fun. And that's, there's, there's, there's something about him um, sidebar on, on what you say, just to navigate into Jason Momoa and why he's been so fundamental for people like myself in that, being a foreign actor that's six foot three and a really big dude, the second you yeah. walk in the room, everyone's like, the fuck is this guy going to show us? You know, which yeah. is, which, which sounds silly and people are like, ah, oh, he's being dramatic or whatever, but it's very hard as a big man to prove right. that you have a, a high ability to emote. And right. J- people like Jason Momoa who have come in, in this generation of actors. Yeah. I love that you said that he's literally like a goofy child that just happens yes. to be able to like kick the shit out of anyone that ever yeah. had to, you know, but yeah. there's, there's, there's such a soft yeah. loving element to someone at the same time that at the, at the flip of a switch would be yeah. the most dead serious, frightening man in the room. Um, yeah. And the, and that element of not faking of it being, I genuinely think that that's who he is. I, I, yeah. I, I, I think what you see on screen is genuinely just different versions of him and like what an ability to do yeah. eight different projects and go, I'm going to show you this side of me so you understand what this character is. I'll show you this side in this film. I mean, and- I think it's the same thing for him too. Is like, I, I, I think it's the same for anyone based on, for, for you guys, for actors, based on looks. It's like, if you look a certain way, suddenly you're always the nerdy scientist, mm, for example, mm. or like the the big brawny or like the, you know what I mean? Like there's, yeah. there's arch- archetypes and it, I feel for you in the fact that it's hard to escape because you don't have control of what it is. So you have to figure out how to show something different within these limited, yeah, you know for what sure. I mean? I mean, every... Every project Which, but I I've, think it's better. I think it's better to be distinctly who you are and let that lead you towards where you're gonna go, mm. than to be some middle neutral uh, everyman who perhaps could be. You know what I mean? Like it's just like if yeah, you rather drive your lane and be really good at it than try to like yeah. tinkle and faff around in 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 other areas. Yeah, and I wouldn't say really good at it. I would say I would say really 
yourself, your own mm. self at it. Because so, good and bad is completely arbitrary and, and you could yeah. really do injury to yourself mentally if you think in terms of, of good and bad. Do you think that as a, again, I keep going back to creative, but I really want to like understand the way that you work and think. I find it fascinating. And, and when you say like being genuine and being true and just kind of you and you creatively, I think as a person, we kind of know how to navigate that, how to be me and not be me. And you can get taught and you can learn and go through experiences that teach you about yourself. And so you go my one of my biggest questions right now and that's why the question is super relevant because you know i might as well ask your opinion on it and how do i find that for me creatively so i can i can i can find that for me relationship wise career wise passion wise but when i'm creatively investing into something and i'm creatively putting something together and i'm like this like, is me like what be like, more specific i think with with acting it's tricky because it's pre-written and the words on the page i then have to you know bring to life and show you what i would kind of do with it if i'm drawing a picture like you know if you put 10 people in a room there was a there was a challenge that i watched on youtube once where they took eight photographers and i'm fucking obsessed with photography they took eight photographers and they had them all shoot the same subject and all eight photos were obviously completely different in their own weird way. Do you yeah. think that that's just me picking up a camera, taking a photo and going, shit, this is what my kind of stuff looks like. Or do you think that that's a process in me finding that photo of like, oh, this is how I shoot photos. It's not like him or her. This is my photo. Am I, I, mean, I, 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 I making sense? To... Yeah, I think you're overthinking a little to, to my perspective because yeah. I just think, you have to assume that if eight people take a picture, it's going to be eight different pictures. And you also have to assume everyone feels differently about what they did. Some people take pictures to emulate and regurgitate the way other people's do it because they're not in touch with themselves enough to think, I'm just going to let my eyes and my fascination go towards wherever it wants to pay attention. Yeah. So, but you can't judge that. All you can judge is which picture of the eight spoke to you. And that's just how things work. It's like, it's not everything isn't meant for everyone. And you would just wear yourself out if you tried to figure out why everyone's doing what they're doing. You just yeah. have to try to figure out what, what you would do. Yeah. You, so, I have no idea what, you, what anyone else would do. I barely know what I'm doing. Like, you know what I mean? Like even yeah. to pay attention your own attention is like <laughs> it's, a constant, it's a constant job uh, 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 thing to do so it's like yeah I I don't know I think that's what's great about the fact that eight different people would do it eight different ways so mm. it's like and it's the same it's like I mean there was no alternative for Jason in the bad batch that's who I wanted from Miami man it's like you know Jim Carrey like Everybody, it's like there's no, once you see that version of, of things, that's what it is, that, that that's what you're doing. Once you have that person, it's them. You know what I mean? Like, um, I mean, like Suki. Had been Suki another actor. Well. Would have been, Suki, Arlen was the one role. She's because such I asked, a it was like, it was like Keanu, 
and Jim. And when they, they were on board pretty much right away, it wasn't like I went to, I, I went for Jim for that part and he did it. So it was mm. like, the same thing with Keanu. It was like, and then the, with Suki, I, Arlen was, was, was the one part that I looked at a lot of actors, actresses on tape and I had a audition, which I, okay. I, I find extremely, I audition in a different way than other, other directors do I think, but like, um, what is your, need, what is your process? I need process? to make it more. I just, I hate it. It's such an unnatural, you can just feel <laughs> it how uncom it's uncomfortable. And it's like, you're in some, I, for the Bad Batch, I was doing callbacks in my living room because I just hate those sterile rooms that are like, you know, I got it down to some girls that I really wanted to meet in person and see their, feel them and stuff and like, it's just like that horrible room, it's horrible lighting. And if the casting director, whoever's reading isn't, sometimes I read with the actors because I don't wanna, I don't feel like the person reading totally gets the, yeah. the vibe of the, yeah. so it's just like to try to give them something to like, because it's like, you have nothing to work with. It's like on the page, we're in the middle of the desert and you're bleeding or something. It's like, you know, we're nowhere near being in the middle of the desert. How can you like, <laughs> understand how crazy this uh, story so you know what i mean like so yeah. i hate i i find him very very draining and and yeah. i i feel very empathetic towards actors for having to go through it i also like it because especially for some of the smaller parts because i cast everything thinking like every character in a movie even if it's one scene is like the main character of their own movie that's overlapping with the, the main movie so that mm, everything feels mm. like this really lived in like world, you know, mm, like, mm. so it's like, um, I like when you, the, the great part of the casting process is when I get to meet those day players and meet really interesting, cool people. That's cool. Who, like yeah. Corey Roberts, I met, um, you know, he's the, He's the big black bridge man that Miami man has a fight with. Yes, that he throws the, the, the famous cleaver at. Yes. So Corey is uh, just an awesome, awesome dude. Amazing actor. And mm. I fell in love with him on that. And I've put him in like, I, I, I gave him a bigger part of Mona Lisa. And, and I always think of him when I'm every time because he's so good and like I just keep wanting to do different stuff with him. So it's like that's the great part of the the audition, I the see. casting room, because like people who are just not well known and have done only a few things and they come in and you're like, wow, like he's amazing. I've had a, a few of those that mm -hmm. are good. Mm -hmm. I'm out of it. So it's like, yeah, the I've, audition. I've, I've, I've like had the most brutal. like awkward auditions. Um, yeah, they're awkward. Yeah. I've had some like some go really, really south. I've had to like audition for a commercial where I pull a um, chest of fried chicken out of the ocean um, and I have to place it on the beach and then dance around it in my underwear. Um, that sounds good. That sounds yeah. like a cool. I mean, did you get it? I didn't. 
Um, okay. Yeah, there's so many factors of it that could be the reason why, and I just try not to think about it. Um, yeah. But the lady that was the casting person in the room made yeah. me watch it after I did it and was like, oh, you see, you're like using too much of your hips, like rather use your shoulders. And I'd be like, okay, cool. And I'd have to go back and watch like, the tape. Yeah. And then I had to keep redoing it with her. And she was like, no, like dance like this rather. And she'd like show me how I should be dancing. And I was like, cool. Um, that was, so you must have thought you were getting it because she was giving you so many like notes. I thought I was in the bag. I thought this audition right. was mine. Yeah. Clearly not. Um, and I had an audition. Uh, did you see the final commercial? Did you see it and see? I did. They... And you know what was funny about the final commercial? No one danced in the final commercial. That's some me too shit. Right? So there's some footage out there somewhere that someone's holding on to. And like waiting for the right day and they're like hi do you want to see josh dance in his underwear here you go um did you do it in your underwear too i did so in initially yeah so she yeah had you in your underwear doing she that she did she did wow she did. that's interesting i know right how, how old was she <laughs> that's a really good question um she she was she was like pushing pushing mid 60s um, 60s yeah she was like quite a hip older lady um what do you mean by hip like she was like super fun you know um but in the brief in their defense the brief did say like please show up in like swimming shorts oh okay. okay and i'd shown up like directly from college and so right. obviously i don't have swimming shorts and i came in jeans and I walk in the room and they're like, you can't audition in jeans. So I was like, well, I don't have shorts here and pretty so much willing to do anything. So right. let's just do it in my underwear. Yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. I can't put the underwear thing on them. Um, yeah. The dancing thing confused me because no one in the final commercial ended up dancing. So I think that was just taking the piss. Um, but hats off to them because it must have been hilarious to watch that back at the ranch. But yeah, that, that, that didn't go too well. And I had an audition. Did you ever hear about the show called Blood Drive with Alan Richson? It only had one season and it's set in the future where po post-apocalyptic kind of feel and people's cars and mechanics run off of human blood, basically. Yeah, it gets like super weird. Um, and I auditioned that, for that. That makes no sense. I know, right? I think this is why I only had one season. And, and okay. yeah, and auditioned for it. And the scene was that you, you know, the, the scene was a guy, they chase after this girl in, in a car chase and they get her and they want to like sexually take advantage of her and then kill her and eat her body and use the blood to run the car, I guess. Like super weird shit. Didn't get it, which I think is a good thing. But yeah, I do too. Yeah. Ran the whole audition and I didn't know that the director was in the room and the director was like um, a germaphobe and like doesn't like touching people. And I did the audition and I was so stoked. And I was like, thank you guys so much. Like, this has been so much fun. And I walked over and like grabbed his shoulder and like, I'm a hugger. I like hugging people and got the vibe. This guy didn't want to hug. So I stuck my hand out and shook his hand and like 
grab his arm thank you and as i walked out the casting director followed me and she was like what the fuck have you done like you're not getting this job now because you touched him and i was like oh shit um but do you really want to be working with someone that's like that i mean see, what, like... see what i'm saying so like everything works out the way it's supposed to like you it said does. auditions are good out. and auditions are bad it flows back and get... forth yeah everything is like that i think too like as you get more i think worn in and do it more and time goes on you, you kind of just roll with it because i exactly. everybody in our industry has to deal with a lot of rejection and nose and things kind of not oh, and you learn the way and you just have to like got to roll with the punches yeah we were saying tons of rejection and nose and bumping your heads for an actor it's you know quite obvious throughout the whole audition process but in your position where where are you experiencing that is it in the pitch is it in writing the script is it in like i, I can imagine it's just as frustrating for someone on your side of it uh yeah i mean you know like i've worked i've developed things that didn't happen or pitched for pilot tv shows that i didn't write just to direct there was a few and that didn't get picked up um you know stuff like that i mean with my own films the three films it's like I just did them. There's no, there's certain times and certain things where there is nothing that will stop me from doing what I'm going to do. So I just, mm. yeah, it's a Bruce Lee mentality at, at that time where you really want something and you're really focused. There's absolutely no room for worrying about failure. I mean, really the, the which is Bruce Lee, which is like one of the first things that I, I would say is the most important mindset towards anything is Bruce Lee said, there is no, there is no try, there is do or don't do, there is no fail, there is learn or don't learn. Mm. And that's pretty much what that's it is, bad. you either you either do it or you don't do it and you either learn or you don't learn. So you take out the good and bad, the success, the failure, you just take that out. Everything is taking you to the next thing. Yeah. Every little thing, like whatever little thing is some small part of wherever you're going to end up a hundred steps from now. And it just got to go step by step. So developing that kind of mentality, it's such a badass mentality of like, Bruce Lee is a badass. Oh, Bruce Lee is a badass. He and is. he is like incredible. But like there's a guy who talk about failure. I mean, talk about challenges. I mean, the guy like broke his back for like he was in traction for like a year when he wrote this book, Striking Thought. The book that I quote, which is like the book that I read whenever I'm making a film or writing a script or or whatever. This is like if you want oh, something sick. and it's really small, like small pieces you know small he would just write like because he that's studied so cool studied what is all that? the striking thoughts. striking thoughts yeah bruce lee's wisdom for daily living it's the best book it's a book i never stop reading really and it's like he studied a lot of philosophy and he studied religion um Sick. and took the good things about all wherever he found them and, and it's like really 
a nourishing book. And yeah. I, I, I feel like his approach to creativity, creativity is like a broad sweeping thing. I mean, you can be creative at living. It's like mm, mm. everything is art if you just feel feel that way and put enough effort into it and pay yeah. attention to it. So he he's like, yeah, that's just, you know, talk about challenges, talk about things not turning out or the yeah. twists and turns that he faced or like what he was trying to do being like the first, you know, Chinese man to be in American movies and trying to get out of being the sidekick and have yeah. his own car and then having to go back to Hong Kong to do those movies because he wasn't getting it in the American movies and then doing that led him back to where he could finally come back and do, you know, Way of the Dragon and Under the Dragon and, and stuff like that. So yeah. it's like, I love I just think, I yeah. love stories of people not from America coming over with the dream to make it. Because yeah. I've been in that the process America. for the past five <laughs> years and it's so difficult. Um, yeah. Anyone that makes it through, like, fucking hats off because the process alone, other than all the other things like money and places to live and jobs and making it and not making it and the challenge of being sent home, the process alone from start to finish of getting in is really fucking hard. So yeah. <laughs> anyone that makes it over, I'm hats off to them. Um, yeah. Was, the, was this what you wanted to do your whole life? I do, I do think so. I don't think when you're a child, you think of things in those ways. But I was definitely yeah. making stories and making, I started making little films when I was 12 with, with my dad's high eight so I was that's cool I was doing that and and it is in some way to be completely honest it it does feel like I've been doing the same thing since I'm nine years old yeah I just have more resources and more you know but it, it does at the core feel the same it's like that yeah. childlike enthusiasm of like here's what the game we're playing i mean a movie a story is in some ways like you're setting the you're setting the the stakes and the the landscape for a game like you're yeah. the dragon and you're the prince and you're the you know and it's, this is how it works here and the sky is orange and there's rabbits that have teeth are always hungry because the sky is orange and looks like carrots like you can make up anything <laughs> exactly that was actually really cool and it's like joyful that's the thing that's always so it does feel the same but then of course yeah all the other stuff is there too yeah uh, that's, grown that's, up stuff. That, that's always my thing as well like I've, I've the thing that's different is is that when you're a child everyone around you is also a child so you have this pure good point energy of the group and if you you keep that but that doesn't mean necessarily everyone around you is also in that same I do feel a lot of my job as a like if what a director is doing in some way you're like a cult leader trying to get everyone to huff on the fumes and drink the yes. kool-aid and get like in love with the this religion that is the movie that you're you know doing and some people just never drink the kool-aid and yeah. you're just like, yeah. just drink the fucking Kool-Aid. <laughs> just do it. Just, 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 Trust just do it. Trust me. Take the, take, it's take the red It's tons of pill. fun. Yeah. Yeah. I think th that's kind of my take as well in that 
I can't recall a time in my life where I wanted to be something that was not acting. But as a kid, it was more so like running around pretending to be a soldier or, yeah. you know, like drawing pictures of me as a superhero. And then I used to write out comic books that I'd staple and sellotape together and give to yeah. my parents as like, you know, these comic I books that comic I'd make books. or, um, yeah. you know, like storytelling and performance. Like there's footage. I think my mom has it. this footage. We're doing a play at school and myself and two other kids had to like be a boat right and we had to like sail across the stage and they were like the three of you are these three people and no, you've got these backstories and everything and as a kid i remember just being like yep that that's me yep there's a backstory i'm that guy i'm the barefoot fisherman from the river Nile that is going to walk across this damn stage and be the most convincing fisherman in all the land and they've got the footage of the three of us crossing the stage and the two other kids are like dead quiet and like super shy and like trying to find their mom and dad in the crowd and then it's just me in the middle like throwing my arms and i'm like yeah i'm a fucking fisherman you know like just so stoked with this world that you've put me in um yeah and to this day like that just doesn't go away i like if i listen to music i have to know why it was written where was it written what is the meaning behind it what is the music video how did they visually put the music video together what's the deep you know like everything creatively has to make sense to me potentially sometimes to a detriment because i lose the element of fun sometimes right yeah, and don't lose that that's the most important one it's so tricky to maintain that though like you just gotta chill with your overthinking man oh my, overthinking I'm, the, I'm the worst overthinker ever yeah i am too i think it's i'm not saying it like i i have the, <laughs> the kingdom but you have to like try to figure out how to wait because that unexplainable essence the thing that triggers your inner like soul stuff and mm. it's not something that you can explain with thinking Getting caught up and lost in a moment isn't something that you can intellectualize. At the end of the day, you have to have some weird, deep, guttural connection to something. I think that's why movies and doing this and at least my movies and it's like, that's the thing that you're searching for, the yeah. unexplainable yeah. thing. And, and it's, at times it's like, you do know why but you're also doing it to find out why. So you have to have a certain element of not, not knowing mm. that you're okay with, I think. Like, why do you love a certain song and not love another song? There's nothing you can ex do to like explain that, why something just hits you. And you're like, yeah. I wanna play that song over and over again and live inside of it and like just move into it. And it's like, yeah. Some songs do it, some songs don't. You can't explain it. You can't explain love. That's true, yeah. There's there's a there's a I don't know if 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 you potentially work this way. Do you because obviously the the soundtracking and the music to yeah. the bad batch was insane. Yeah, and yeah thank there, you. There were there were so many moments throughout it. Also, you used the unfort. Um Yes, I did. I knew you were gonna like, and it's so funny because they so are bad batch. They were one of my first they users. Are. 
I've been fans of, of, of them for even long before. I mean, if you look at my first film, the pimp in my first film was absolutely modeled by Ninja. Like I did, I had really? him do his hair. I had him big the sides of his head, like exactly. And we did a tattoo here. We changed it up and made it specific to, to Girl Walks Home Alone at Night to the world of that movie. But like, yeah. it was Ninja. So I, I love them. I find them just, it was I, a quote from Ninja actually, he said, some artists, what is it? Some artists are what they do and some artists do what they are. Yeah. And I that's what they are. Yeah. They do what they are. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. what they are is what they do. Like it's not, that's like a bit of a riddle, a uh, Tim Twister, but like, anyway, yeah, I love them. And so to have fish paste in the Bad Batch was one of my really, with that sequence, it's just one of my- It was so dope. Pride and joys, yeah. I'm Especially so, the lyrics. makes me so happy that you did that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love the music is like, it's, um, yeah, I mean, you can't even explain the power of music to be able to put that that's just making a movie gives you the opportunity to put music in there music yes. is one of the most yes powerful wizardry tools yeah yeah like that makes everyone feel something collectively which is insane Collect. yes yeah. correct have you yes. have you been to south africa have you ever been here I haven't been to Africa. I, I I haven't been to South Africa. I would love to. When you gotta day. come, you gotta yeah, come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love there's, to. There's there's something, and I'm, I'm sure everyone says this about their country. But on the topic of you knowing the Antwerp and using their music in your in 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 your movie, um, there's something very special about South African culture, in the past and the diversity yeah. of our people and the different languages and musics and backgrounds. And yeah, th there's something very special about South Africa and the unity through uh, hurt and overcoming that you yeah. can feel when you're here. And we actually yeah. just did a weekend down the coast. We went down the West coast and we went to a town called Clane William and a town called Springbok. And we spent a couple of days out that side and I'm so glad we did the weekend away just before we had this conversation because Springbok is, a, it's a very, very special little town, literally in the middle of nowhere. And they've got like this giant dirt circle that they race cars with flames in. And like, there's oh, wow. one local bar, there's one hotel, and it's just like desert land with a giant yeah. sign with hotel written in red that lights yeah. up at night and it's the only light oh, that you can see over like it's like it's like a dreamscape comfort. or like shooting a <laughs> yeah. movie and yeah. obviously we go to these places and I, I just sit and stare at these things and I start creating these stories and these ideas for pictures and songs and movies in my head and I start yeah. to envision like what kind of character would I be living in this world because it's so different from what I'm used to yeah and it's places like that that you have to come and see um, I, I would absolutely love to go to that. Anytime you want to pull through, let us know. <laughs> we can show you the different. There's so many different landscapes in South Africa. It's 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 insane. Um, is there any music outside from the Antwerp that you've known out of South Africa before? 
don't know that uh, I don't know that I would know implicitly if there was because I don't know exactly. Nothing comes to mind that like because I don't know implicitly. I listen to a lot of house music. No. Um, Plus, you know, like black coffee. I love black coffee. I, yeah. I I love also a few years ago black coffee. I saw him in Tulum in twenty twenty. Dope. In the jungle. Just oh my word, that must have been amazing. It was. I I was on. I had taken some very very good strong acid. <laughs> so it was amazing. It was a full moon, and it was. Uh, <laughs> It's, uh, it was incredible, honestly. Oh, that must it, have been an experience, eh? It was like, yeah, yeah. Have you ever? On, have I, have I ever done acid? Yeah. No, I'm way too scared. Yeah. It's that like, makes sense. It's yeah, there's, there's, so actually where I'm at in life right now, just overshare for anyone that listens to this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just hey just josh raw and open but um yeah where, where i am right now there's a lot of things that i'm trying to figure out right um it's great for that i've i've heard i've a, a, a lot of people it's recommend... it's right it's right to be scared it's right to be worried it's a powerful uh mm -hmm. it's a powerful tool that like it, like anything if you are holding a chainsaw you should be a little bit scared yes, exactly so you would want to only do it in the right circumstances, in the right setting, in the right, with the right people, you know? Um, so I, I definitely respect being scared of it, but I also would encourage um, an openness to, you know, putting yourself through an experience that's actually, it, it's made to, to help unlock certain things and, mm. and, and sort of let go of certain things. Mm. It just like puts you in the moment in a way that like makes you realize how much overthinking you do, we do. And like, you can't do it when you're on, on it. Yeah. Well, I, I you can't. I, there's, there, there's a lot of, so I'm a firm believer in THC and CBD and the differences that those make. So like, I struggle sleeping because of uh, my anxiety and I'm very lucky I've got mild anxiety, but I've got days where I can't explain why I'm just am that way and I don't have appetite and I'm shaky and I'm nervous and anxious and aggressive yeah. and avoidant of people and it's strange. Right. Um, and I, saw, I started smoking before bed. I got, I guess, I don't know shit about shit when it comes to weed, but got a specific strain and it knocks me out. Um, and I sleep like a baby and now I've been waking up like so easily in the mornings and that made a difference and a lot of my friends have done a ton of research into psilocybin and mushrooms and stuff like that and um, the incredible impacts that these things have in people's lives away from the mental stories. health it helps your big mental time, health big time yeah. and and yeah. you know there's there's stories of friends and friends of friends where you know people are on antidepressants and anti-anxiety and they start microdosing mushrooms and they don't have to touch any other medication again yes, and it's like how 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 are we demonizing that but then accepting 
the opioid crisis that goes on in the world and we're like no nope, just keep using those of, you know like a lot of people make money off that that's true you know money does kind of run everything eh? yeah yeah it's 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 tricky i mean there's oh, we've had yeah. amazing experiences that like i've written down that have been life-changing um and so it excites me to know that there's other things in life that bring on these new experiences yeah. and these new outlooks and these, you know, and so as you grow up or as you mature, whether it be in age or just as a person, your views and feelings and change, you know, like, again, like back to where I'm now in life, what I'm experiencing now is that like, I'm trying to figure out who I was and who I am and who I want to be and kind of marry it all together without the element of overthinking, you know, and like what I do doesn't make me who I am, but I also really love what I do. And so I want to submerge myself and obsess myself into that because that's what I love, you know? So it's hard to differentiate your identity as a person from your identity as a creative. And I don't know if I ever want to identify them as separately, you know? You don't have to, I, I don't think, differentiate it. I think I, don't I just know got why. super deep suddenly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. But that's fine. It's deep. All this stuff is deep. What are you going to do? I mean, yeah, we can also go like not so deep, but, you know, had to, had to throw out a deep thing in there somewhere and get, get some of that I out. mean, the- I mean, the Bad Batch is deep, man. It like, is. If you're, if you're having a conversation with someone who loves it, you're probably deep. And that's the truth. And if you're not deep, which is, I think, a large majority of people, then you can't have those. And that maybe you're suck. not troubled by the same thing that troubles you, you know? You're maybe not. Yeah. There, there, there was, I, okay, to get not deep, I actually have a good question on this one because you brought up Bad Batch. The locations of shooting. Mm-hmm. There's so many different elements to the film. There's the desert. There's Keanu Reeves' haven that mm-hmm. he's created with the music, and it's got this um, Africa burn uh, kind of feel to it with the drugs and the music and the lights. And you know, then there's the whole bodybuilding element of of of, of the show as well, and the opening intro on the sign stating that this is no longer, uh, this is no longer Texas, I stand corrected. And, you know, anyone that passes over that line is no longer a citizen of the US and you are now to your own, to your own means. There was, maybe I'm overthinking this and I'm overreading it, but there's an element to it, right? So people that go, that are part of the Bad Batch are people that aren't accepted by society and don't stick by society's norms, right? And don't follow like, the generic rules of texas or wherever it is well it's the united states but the bath the area but where whatever it is that we've this area of land where nothing where it's too hot for anything to live where the u.s has created like an area to send people who no longer are functioning members of society. I mean, I don't say it explicitly in the film, but you Mm. can deduce from the fact that at the beginning you hear the prison, um, the prison, inside of the prison, you hear the prison guard and you hear the Arlen is being tattooed and released from a prison. Yeah. So you can infer that some of these people came from prison. We have Mm. a problem of overpopulation in prisons and who's gonna pay for it. So, 
you know Miami man was an illegal immigrant. You know that there's some people that are just mentally insane, mm. probably home, homeless people. That, you know, so my thinking is, and it's just true of America, is when you look at the displaced kind of marginalized people, and then you look at criminals and, uh, and all these people, at some point, if the government was just to say, let's just tag them and put them in a different place so they mm. don't fuck up what we're trying to do, which it kind of feels like that's something that they would really do. I mean, it is what they do. Absolutely. Yeah. It is. It's like the thing is, is like when I wrote it, it was Obama was still the president. And I was writing this thing with this wall and this, you know, idea of taking people. And sending I was going to ask and, the question. Yeah. Yeah. And then the movie and then Trump got elected in 2017 and the movie came out like four months later. And I think it was really an upsetting in some ways for people because it's not supposed to be so almost how things are, you know? Mm, and it mm. was, it's like the, the gun violence and thoughtlessness of people and like yeah. this kind of savage polarized two sides. I mean, you literally have the British people are like the Republicans and the Democrats are in comfort and they're both fucking crazy. Yeah, you know what I yeah, mean? And there's yeah. like no, there's no bringing them together. I mean, yeah. I guess I try. I tried to do that with the movie. Is is there a way that these different sides? It's like extremes of different people all put in the same area. No, it's extreme here. It's like the people, whatever side. If, if right now, the, I mean, it was like this to my perception back when I wrote this, and I was also amplifying it. But like every year that has passed, I feel like the Bad Batch just becomes more and more true. Mm. Mm. which is a weird thing that can happen sometimes with science fiction where you like imagine some crazy future and then it's suddenly like wait that's kind of how and it then is it's like unravels in your everyday and you're like oh you're like boy. um yeah i guess it's not science fiction but like yeah. i mean the sides are so certain of themselves everybody here is a patriot for their own reality and you mm. can't argue mm. with someone and say your reality is wrong you just can't yeah. It doesn't work. Yeah. They both exist. And like, you can fight each other to the death or go to two separate camps or I don't know. I'm like, your guess is as good as mine. I mean, I think that is also what's frustrating about the Bad Badge is usually in movies, there's a savior, there's a very clear good guy and bad guy. And there's a, a very clear end goal. Everyone can get on board where you're like, okay, we did justice justice have served that by the mm. end of this two hour movie but i think that a movie should be allowed to be as complicated as real life is and yeah 100 percent. the end of the day the problems aren't solved and tomorrow more stupid shit happens and that's just it and we must I love carry that on that's so dope i love that yeah, yeah. was it yeah. Um, again am i am i overthinking this in that i feel like the one thing I'm going to try word this properly and not jumble my words together. I feel like the one thing right in the bad batch is all these different types of like in quotation rejected people get put into this land. That's no longer dictated by like a higher power. Right. If I can call right. it that, but then Keanu Reeves in being a part of the bad batch and being one of them ends up becoming the thing that they are all trying to get away from. 
Well, I think that's the thing of when I was writing it and looking at a lot of humans history, I mean, you can go back as far as go back to the pharaohs in Egypt or go back to, you know, tribal societies and, and cultures. And in, I mean, there's always colonization happening at any scale, at any level. Like you, you know, I leveled the ground at the Bad Batch and I was like, okay, let's go to square one and see how does it form and it power structures around the idea of survival. Yeah. That's, that's what grows and that's how societies grow. Even on a small scale, there's a village and there's like predators on their periphery. So they build a wall to keep the predators out now who builds the wall, someone's instructing them how to build it. So someone's the chief and someone, this is how it works. This is yeah, how yeah. it always goes down. And like, he's capitalizing on people wanting one way of life and not wanting to, to resort to this violent kind of cannibalistic way of surviving. And those people are like, no, we were, we're just gonna be strong and eat the weak. Because if yeah. you're weak, then you're not going to be a good, strong member of the clan because we're a strong clan and this is just how it is. And so they both kind of have their own ideology that makes sense to them. And they both have, it's like there's no utopia. It's funny because I remember when people were like interviewing me in press for the Bad Batch, which was so grossly like mishandled and. Oh, really? Oh yeah, I just think like, this is not a, I, I, I would say also, I mean, in their defense or whatever, it's, it's, it's not a simple film to talk about. I think if you really wanna have a proper useful conversation, you'd have to make an effort to, to look deeply at these things. And yeah. so if you're just trying to stay on the surface, it's not gonna become a good conversation, but it's like the press um, didn't, really it was like i remember people just quickly saying like oh so it's a dystopian world and i'm like as opposed to a utopian world and yeah. they were like yeah you know and i'm like but what utopian world so is utopia like what you think we have like we live in dystopia <laughs> exactly. we live in dystopia there is only dystopia it's so ridiculous to say it's a dystopian film as though the norm is utopia. So yes. because I'm living in LA and if I go downtown, there's an area in Los Angeles called Skid Row, which is the largest homeless population in the in the United States. Wow. That has they have their own zip code. It's it like really? in the 80s, they in the 80s, they gave it like a Skid Row became an address and it's literally a tent city. It's like District nine, it's like literally wow. like, and so when people say to me, oh, it's post-apocalyptic, I'm like, well, go downtown. Have you ever gone to Skid Row? It's right now. It's right now that these people are walking around the street just like zombies. Yeah. Willing, desperate to a degree that they would That's do anything. Crazy. So it's like, I just think, yeah, I mean, my house is utopia, I guess. My little house. Like for you personally, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like I have yeah. created one little box of utopia, but the world at large is, I don't think, ever utopia. So stuff like that, I was always like, and people say it's post-apocalyptic. And then I would be like, no, it's just Trumpian. I mean, it's like, yes, 
it's not post-apocalyptic. Post-apocalyptic would be different problems. Like that's, I don't know. I think, yeah. I think you, you package different problems that we see in society right now all the time. And what's funny is you put it in a movie and you're going without saying, this is showing that. You put it in a movie and you go, yeah, watch the movie. And still people go like, no, the world's not like this. This must be in the future after everything goes to shit. And it's like, no, dude, <laughs> that's kind of like right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Ridley Scott did it in the 80s with Blade Runner. When you look at the original oh. Blade Runner, the director's cut, it's like, it looks like Los Angeles today. We don't have flying cars. I don't think that that's that far away. Yeah. you know maybe yeah. 30 years i don't know but like just that the gritty dirty kind of the way he portrayed it you know at the time it was really controversial because they're like the future isn't going to be this dark and dirty we won't have all this crime yeah. and yeah. Black crime and it, it's just like broken machines like you know ruling yeah. everything and rebelling and this is the 80s it's like or the happy version even, Back to the Future 2 predicted a future that's pretty fucking close when you've seen Back to the Future, the trilogy. Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, so I, I love mean, that look you had there. You were like, if you're saying I'll like, put this down right if now. If I hear someone, I mean, it's like, but it's like <laughs> in the second one, there's a bad future that is created from Biff going and doing what he did. And it literally turns into like Trump's America. Yeah. And that's what he predicted for 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 two thousand whatever it was, fifteen. Happening. I feel like what's 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 happening. Oh, shit, I, again, I don't know shit about shit, but I try to be cognizant of what's going on around me. Is that the disparity between rich and poor is becoming so much wider, and levels of desperation are becoming so much higher. So like when, when, like in the Bad Batch, you look at a group of people that eat and get rid of the weak so the strong can survive. And I'm like, okay, sure. Maybe not right now. We don't have like people eating other people, but take away the physicality of it. It's not different. Like, no, it's not. You're telling me that there's not like a large portion of society that are like, I'm going to do for me. I'm going to make a ton of money. We are going to profit off of this. We're going to make millions. No, but you're going to be hurting hundreds of thousands of people. So I don't give a shit. Yeah. And that, then the other know. side, it's absolutely. And then the other side is the overlord cult leader kind of type, liberal minded, I guess, type. That's like, I'll keep you safe and pumping this propaganda of ideas into your yeah, mind yeah. while num numbing you with something that like helps you escape the reality that you're just eating noodles and walking around in this in this yeah. kind of it's not great either it's like but you think it, it is you know <laughs> you think it is exactly, exactly. you yeah. you believe you're living the dream that's the dream there's a dream and this is it and it's here and not there so it's yeah like, so it's like it's that weird yeah. thing of no it is the dream why is it no because you told me so yeah and that's all it stands on is because no, this yeah. person told me so. Yeah. Well, in in in, yeah. in closing, final question. Yeah. What side of these two groups would you be on hypothetically? Were you in the bad batch? 
I think it's a fun question. I love thinking about. I that. always, everybody, I, I, I too have have. I honestly, I think that my journey might have been something similar to hers of like pinballing around and then ending yeah. up out in the middle and just waiting to and just playing out my hand like not looking for protection from anyone outside myself and just let the chips fall as they may like if yeah. someone's gonna have me for a barbecue like i feel like it, it's irresistible that's why it's keanu it's like i wanted the dream to be something you want like yes. you would want the dream if keanu is selling you the dream oh 100 so it's like if imagine for example if it had been a different actor it's like it would suddenly become very villainous and dark but because he's keanu and you trust him and he's this benevolent type of a energy yeah it never goes into like the darkest darkness so you're like i i could i'll take the dream like give me the dream you know yeah. like i want to be in the boombox you know squad but the like, boombox squad his squad of pregnant machine gun bitches yep and a bunch of but like, acid tripping <laughs> homies outside yeah <laughs> exactly but it's like i think that would drive me absolutely mad i mean even just uh, shooting that and being in that environment when we were shooting it it's like you i felt the madness of everywhere the brutal primal madness of the bridge people that's rough i think the bridge people really it's like you feel like oh if you're big and strong physically is the only way you could like manage here. Like yeah. if you're even slightly remotely physically less capable, like you're in trouble. You're screwed. That's rough. Yeah. That's rough. And comfort's rough because it kind of makes you just lose your mind. Like you can't take it. It's like two days and then you're like, okay, this is starting to turn on me. So I would just go out. You <laughs> would just like the hermit. The hermit is really the answer. The guy that's figured out how to just kind of slowly like crawl around the desert like a lizard. Which I guess is Jim Carrey, right? Yes. Yeah, he nailed it like right in the middle. I I, right I have this middle. fantasy in my head that I would be the bridge people side, and yeah. they'd all be my friends, and they wouldn't eat me. Yeah and and yeah. we just chill definitely you would definitely be in the bridge people side and okay, you'd be cool thank, you. thank you because yeah. that that just made my week um i'd be the bridge people <laughs> yeah. side we'd be drinking beer and lifting weights and every now and then we just have to eat someone but you know correct yeah. not that bad <laughs> it, it's not that bad for me it might be you know? it might be me <laughs> exactly be no but then we'll find you and you'll be like i'm worried and then we'll have dope conversation we'll be like you know what the bridge people should expand themselves a little bit. We should have other people too. That is the question. I'd, 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 I'd bring that in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In my head, that works out beautifully. Yeah. <laughs> you can skate. You can skate. Yes. There you go. You'd be in there. Hard to do and hard to do with one arm, but yeah, and true, one leg. True. Wow, you Maybe can. Maybe one arm, but one leg. You'd be the one-armed skater lady. You'd be so yeah. in there. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. That's been dope. Lily, thank awesome. you so much for coming on. Thank this you. Thank been... you. I don't even know what we talked about, but I think it's going to be so, it's going to be like a, a self-help. I think it's going to be like a self-help thing that might inspire some people. Yeah, I, 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 I don't really like, you know, 
I've been very lucky with doing this kind of thing because I bring on people that I genuinely just love and admire and want to like yeah, yeah. pick the brains of, you know, and kind of yeah, go like, yeah. how do, you know, how does, how does, how does your brain work throughout the day? So how do we survive? Exactly. Yeah. You know, and like, yeah. I, 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 I like knowing that there's people out there that are creative and think similar and like are doing new and exciting things. And five years from now, I mean, maybe you've made another seven projects. I'll be there like a bare front row to watch that one of them that would be a lot in five years but yeah that'd be so dope but um yeah again i've, I've thank you said it before i love your work i love what you do thank you um